to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. I want to go ahead and get started this morning. And um, I'll be reading this morning from Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to cover uh, a good bit of the text of that chapter. But I want to start with um, actually Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14 if that's possible. I don't know how we have it broken up. But uh, yeah, 12. Yeah, 12 through 14. So we'll start in verse 12, actually. But it says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So for a few minutes this morning, I want to maybe preach about something that's a little different than maybe you've heard with this passage before. I want to talk about, um, is knowing Jesus your priority? And, um, And I hope that I can explain to you how I arrived at that thought, is knowing Jesus your priority? But, uh, you know, I got to thinking when I was 24 years old just a few years ago, (laughs) it's amazing how quickly time passes, I took my first position in full-time ministry at a church in Cincinnati, Ohio. We were a very diverse church, uh, actually located in the inner city, and we had a very large Spanish-speaking congregation that met on Sunday mornings. Several times a year, uh, we would bring both congregations together, the Spanish-speaking congregation and the English-speaking congregation, and we would have a large celebration service. It was actually really wonderful. Every year we even hosted a a cross-cultural fair of sorts where all the people in our Spanish-speaking congregation, they would set up a display and talk about the things uh, from their culture. And a lot of times they would be dressed in some kind of a traditional garment and they would maybe even serve food um, that represented where they were from so that we could all develop a love and an appreciation for one another. Um, I really enjoyed being in that atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. But the pastor of our of our Spanish-speaking congregation, he was actually from Panama, and he, he spoke very little English, and um, one of our secretaries in the office didn't speak a lot of English, and so I just, you know, at the same time, my brother was living in Mexico, and he began to be a fluent Spanish speaker, and I just thought, you know, I'm going to learn to speak Spanish, and so I got the idea one year that I was going to go out and, uh, and, and try to, my best to communicate with all these wonderful people in their native language. And I even called my brother while he was in Mexico, and I said, if I learn to speak Spanish, we'll have our own secret language. <laughs> I'll let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> I'm sure there was some kind of a reply on his end that <laughs> kind of shot me down there. But, uh, but I found a, a coupon for a software called Rosetta Stone, and I went to the bookstore, which is where you went at that time for software and books, and um, purchased uh, the premium program, all the levels. I wanted to learn Spanish so badly that I took a leap of faith and spent a lot of money uh, to buy this fancy software program, and I was just sure that I would learn how to speak Spanish. But the day came, and I popped the CD into the computer uh, to download the software and started taking the uh, the first several lessons. I was learning some basic phrases, And I learned how to ask questions and give basic answers. But before too long, it actually got more difficult. I wasn't whipping through the lessons and the basic words and phrases had kind of lost their luster. I couldn't roll my R's. (laughs) So I was embarrassed to try to use my limited vocabulary in public. 
So I sort of lost confidence, you know, in this grand plan that I had. And I stopped going through the courses as quickly. And eventually the fire went out and I stopped trying to learn. You see, I wasn't meeting my expectations for learning as quickly as I'd hoped. So I, I quit. I quit trying to learn. And, and I stopped making it a priority. So I never reached my goal. So I want you to think of a time this morning when you were passionate about something whether it's an activity or, or a, some kind of a special diet or a relationship, maybe you set a goal and you knew what you wanted to do, but for whatever reason, it stopped being a priority in your life. When it comes to the Lord, I, I want to ask you this question. Is knowing Jesus your highest priority? You know, I love this passage in Philippians. In fact, I love the book of Philippians. It's written by the Apostle Paul. And it addresses the people of Philippi. And in those days, there were people called Judaizers who were telling people that in order to be saved, they had to adopt the Jewish customs before they could be baptized into the body of Christ. For them, it was all about obeying the law and keeping the commandments. They were insisting that believers in Christ had to be circumcised before they could become real Christians. The gospel for them was all about rules and not about relationship. So Paul is writing to the believers at Philippi to tell them it is not about rules and custom or circumcision or the law, but it's about faith in Jesus Christ. And in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, Paul writes, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You say, well, what does that mean? What Paul is saying in these verses is that he fully understands the cost of following Jesus. You know, in the book of Acts, Paul is known as Saul. He was known for persecuting Christians. He was a faithful Jew a follower of the law, and a persecutor of Christians. But one day he had an experience with Jesus, amen? And it changed his life. I heard one preacher say that God knocked the Saul right out of him and changed his name to Paul. <laughs> but that's what happened in Paul's life. He had a dramatic, dynamic conversion experience. And he left behind everything to follow Jesus, his health, financial security, his standing in the community, you name it. Do you ever think about that, how much Paul left behind to become the writer of over two-thirds of the New Testament? Paul denied everything to follow Jesus. If anyone could boast about being saved under the law, it would have been Paul. But he cast off all these seeming advantages to follow Christ. Now, in verses 12 through 14, as we've already read, 
Paul writes, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this is where Paul tells us what his goal is, what the priority of his life is, and what the priority of every believer should be. He's not thinking about the past at this point, but he's thinking about the future. He's not dwelling on the things that he left behind to follow Christ, which we've already talked about. Nor is he holding on to the shame or the regret of the things that he did before he became a follower of Christ. He is sold out to one goal, to reach the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 50, 51 through 52 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Amen. The upward call that Paul is talking about so emphatically is the resurrection of the body and eternity with Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise for that? That is quite a goal. That's an upward call. Amen. <laughs> then in the closing verses of Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this in mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in, my, in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are my enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly or their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things. He's talking about worldly attitudes and worldly appetites, things that are not of God. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I like the way the message Bible puts it because that's a lot, that's a, that's a handful. You know, you really have to dissect that passage and say, okay, what is Paul saying here? And I, I really love the way the message Bible says it. It says it this way. So let's keep focused on the goal. Those who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends, Paul writes. 
Keep track of those you see running this same course, headed for this same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, amen, choosing other goals and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is Easy Street. They hate Christ's cross. But Easy Street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. I don't want to be in the world. (laughs) All they can think of is their appetite, what pleases them, the selfish desires in their hearts. But there's far more life to, there's far more to life for us. Amen. We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting on the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. Now, we have read a lot of scripture today, and I appreciate you bearing with me. I realize that, you know, we've read quite a bit. But I came to you today with this question in mind. Is knowing Jesus your highest priority? When I began to pray about this message, asking God what he would have me to share with you today, I kept thinking back to what was happening, what has been happening the last several weeks. First, Pastor Chris has been preaching about spiritual warfare. How many of you remember the last couple weeks when he's preached about spiritual warfare? We've been talking about exposing the lies of the enemy for the last several weeks. And as a result of the truth being preached, We have seen the Spirit of God move mightily in the altars. If you've been here at all the last several weeks, you can probably think back to a service where somebody had rushed down to the altar and we laid hands on them. And We've seen radical salvations because we get those testimonies in the office. People will write those on the card. We've seen people radically saved. There have been a number of people that have rededicated their lives to Jesus Christ. People who, for whatever reason, have walked away from the Lord, but they made a decision to come back to Jesus and to live for him. We have seen miracles of healing right here at High Praises in our Sunday morning services and testimonies of healing from people in our congregations, in our congregation. And then last Sunday night, I began to think about that experience we had at our fall worship night. The Spirit of God moved in in such a powerful way. Many lives were touched as people flooded the altars, crying out to God and seeking a move of the Holy Spirit. And this week I began to think about times in my life where I have experienced a genuine move of God and started to consider what happened in the days and the weeks after those dynamic, powerful, genuine experiences. You know, we've all been there. We make commitments, we make promises. We even leave feeling so good, so wonderful to be in God's presence and to feel his anointing. Then something happens. Maybe an even bigger attack sneaks up on you than when you confronted the enemy in the first place. Pastor Chris talked about this at the night of prayer a couple weeks ago when he told us that since we're standing against the enemy to be ready, we're exposing Satan, we're renouncing the lies of the devil, Sometimes the spiritual attack on our life 
intensifies when we stand against the enemy. <laughs> How many times do we get a great victory and then the spiritual begins to fade a little bit and we find ourselves in the same old familiar patterns? Maybe it's a pattern of negative thinking. Maybe it's even a secret sin or some kind of selfish or even sinful indulgence. We're human. And sometimes it's easier to, to resign ourselves to what is comfortable than to press on and try to do what we know we should do. I also began to consider the folks that have, that have been saved or have rededicated their lives to, to Christ in the last several weeks. Perhaps you've, you're here today and you're thinking, I know the experience I had was real. I know it was genuine and authentic, but I can't seem to stop whatever. You name it. You just get back in those ruts, those patterns, the uncomfortable, familiar ways of doing things. Some of you may find yourself in an entirely different situation. You don't really do anything wrong from a moral standpoint. Maybe you don't cuss on the job, you know. Uh, you're not lighting up a cigarette in the car. You wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't find you walking into a bar. You're basically a good person. And you do a, maybe a devotional every day. Maybe you pray for a few minutes before bed or, you know, when you wake up. Perhaps you genuinely desire to, grow, to draw closer to God, but for whatever reason, life just seems to always get in the way. New projects at work, <laughs> financial goals or commitments, personal illness or maybe the sickness of a loved one, life just happens sometimes. And in those moments, you don't really mean to let your enthusiasm wane, but you just find yourself drifting. And before you know it, your priorities have changed. No matter where you find yourself today, I believe that knowing Jesus should be our highest priority. Knowing Jesus should be our highest priority as believers. Amen? And I believe there are three things that we can do today. These are just practical things we can do to help us stay on track when we leave this place, number one, we can forget about yesterday. We read in our text from Philippians chapter 3 that Paul instructs us to forget the things that are behind us. Whether you are a new believer or if you have served Jesus Christ for many, many years, we are all saved by grace through faith in Christ. It is not our qualifications or our education or our obedience to the rules necessarily that saves us. It is our faith in Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. And even as believers, we may do things from time to time that we know are not pleasing to God. But we simply have to ask for forgiveness. You know, just as a little side note, as I was studying for the message, I started to think about that scripture, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But what was interesting to me, they didn't, the, the writer or the translators didn't say all have sinned and have fallen short. It says in the New King James Version, all have sinned and fall short. 
of the glory of God. And to me, I just begin to think, you know, Lord, that means that, that all have sinned in the past tense. We've all sinned and fall short. It means in our walk with Jesus, there are times when we fall short, when maybe we break that promise or we, we kind of fall back on that commitment or we change our priority. That doesn't mean that he just throws us out. Because 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't dwell on the things of yesterday. You can hang on to the things that you learned in the past, but you don't have to continually allow your past to be an obstacle to reaching your destination in the future. Amen? If you've made a mistake, ask God to forgive you and move on in faith. If you've tried a hundred times, keep trying again. Don't give up. Amen? Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Don't give up, especially if you've just started on this journey. Don't give up. The second thing we can do is we can live for today. And I don't mean that in the sense of, oh, we're just... Live for today. It's all about the moment. You know, no mind to the future. But in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, I press on. He didn't say I pressed on as in yesterday or at one time in the past. He didn't say I will press on as in tomorrow or sometime in the future. He said I press on as in today. Amen? Press on. Make a conscious decision to do what you can today to make Jesus your highest priority. That doesn't mean you can't have a life. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy your family or have a hobby. I've seen Christians with their bottom lips stuck out so far it looks like they're wearing a pink turtleneck sweater. You don't have to be sad or in mourning to follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ died so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? We can have a good time as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, if the, if the instrumentalists will come, I'm, I bet they're listening to me right now. And uh, I don't know. We may get out a little early today. <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm believing for a move of God this morning. I really am. I'm believing for a move of God. But the last thing we can do is we can focus on the goal. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, the Message Bible said, We're waiting on the, on the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. For Paul, this is the goal, to one day see the bodily resurrection of believers and have a physical encounter with Jesus Christ as we enter eternity. You know, it's amazing what happens when you set priorities with the goal in mind. And you begin to stick to those priorities. And I remember a time in my own life, so... I didn't learn Spanish, <laughs> but there was a time in my life, I went off to Lee University, 
and I, I, my hopes were so high, and I, I just, I knew the Lord had sent me there, and I was 18 years old, and uh, I just knew that he was going to do something wonderful, and I had a wonderful opportunity to travel all over the world with the Lee Singers, and um, just, they're amazing testimonies, I'll have to tell you another time, of just the, the awesome time I had at Lee University, it was wonderful, um, it was a wonderful experience, but after a little while, my priorities changed, and and the goal was sort of, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I was away from home, and you get homesick if you've ever been away. And, um, and I left without finishing. But my goal was always to finish my bachelor's degree. And, and those of you that have been here, you know, since I've been here, I've been here almost five years now. Um, you know, my first year here, I, I finished my bachelor's degree at Lee because I had that goal in mind. And I went into it saying, you know what, God, I just, this is a priority in my life and I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish strong. And, and he, he gave me the, uh, the grace and helped me finish what I'd started. But for Paul, this is the goal, is to one day see the bodily resurrection of believers and have a physical encounter with Jesus Christ as we enter eternity. And that should be all of our goal. I preached on this subject back in June. Boy, this gets me fired up. I mentioned how then how much I love to talk about heaven. Heaven is a place, I said, where every step is a thrill, every moment is a jubilee, every home is a mansion, and every citizen is a saint. Every street is paved with gold. Every wall is made of jasper. We won't need a light bulb in that city because the glory of God fills the city and the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is I'm talking about heaven, and heaven is the prize for those that reach the goal and cross the finish line. That is the goal that Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 3. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.